Yeah. Got to go and get the steam those dumplings, eh? Yeah, I uh, love obviously. Fuck you. Welcome back, loyal listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Radioactive Spider Pod, the podcast that looks back on the 90s Spider-Man cartoon and asks, once everyone in the world is a vampire, what will they all eat? Here to bring you episode 48, The Vampire Queen. I'm your host, the majestic Kevin McAvoy. Big Max. <laughs> Are you a royale with cheese? Uh, <laughs> it does get cheesy. And uh, joining me as always, my fellow alert announcers, the Titled Vero Taylor. Some would say I'm entitled, but I'd like to think I'm untitled. Uh, yeah, that almost works. And the Imperial Peter Iskandar. I'd have to say I'm more of a fan of the metric system, but sure. Ah, you got me there. A quick bit of business to take care of. Screenshots for this episode as well as updates and other good stuff can be found on our social media, so check that out for the full experience. Or to join the conversation, we're at RA Spider Pod on Twitter, at Radioactive Spider Pod on Facebook and Instagram, and all of the links are on our website, RadioactiveSpiderPod.com. There's also exclusive bonus episodes, articles, outtakes, and oddities over at Patreon.com slash Radioactive Spider Pod if you want to support the show. And of course, it's time for everyone's favorite segment, Pints in Danger, where we consume 20 fluid ounces in honor of Season 4, Partners in Danger. What's slaying your thirst for plasma today, boys? Uh, I have a blood orange and hibiscus sour from Collective Arts. Look at you with the blood on theme. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> you fucking <laughs> idiot. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I went Collective Arts as well, uh, and I also went citrus, but mine's mango tangerine sour. It's my favorite beer from there, and it's fucking delicious. Kevin's favorite sour. Nice. Uh, I myself have a bear warship from Blood Brothers, and this version is a spiced tangerine saison. So that's fun. And there's two bears on it. That is fun. And it's the season of giving. Giving blood, that is? All right. We're going to give some of that life-giving liquid ourselves. So let's quit our coffins and prepare a royal welcome as we sink our teeth into Partners in Danger. Chapter 7, The Vampire Queen. The Vampire Queen first aired May 17th of 1997 was an original episode from series creator John Semper Jr., a.k.a. Semper Senpai, and Meg McLaughlin, who penned 10 episodes for the series of varying quality. It's not based on any specific issue of the comics, but it's still time for a fantastic edition of Peter's Comic Book Minute. Peter's Comic Book Minute. So this edition of uh, Peter's Character Spotlight, probably should change that theme song, eh, whatever, um, is about Blade, since Blade's in this episode. Uh, we last saw him, I don't know, a couple seasons ago, so I figured I'd go a little bit more in depth. So again, Blade's first appearance was in Tomb of Dracula number 10 in July 1973, and uh, he was created by Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan. His abilities are master martial artist, skilled swordsman and marksman, highly knowledgeable about vampire lore, Nerd! <laughs> superhuman strength, speed, agility, and stamina, Enhanced senses, accelerated healing factor, immunity to the bites of vampires, and immunity to vampire hypnosis, 
slowed aging, and ability to sense supernatural creatures. If you want to read more about Blade, be sure to check out these key issues. Of course, uh, Tomb of Dracula number 10, his first appearance. He also fought Morbius one time in Adventures into Fear number 24 from October 1974. And he had his first solo series in July of 1994 called Blade the Vampire Hunter. And he was Wesley Snipes. <laughs> I was going to get into Wesley And there was some movie. And there's another movie coming out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. That's that's all I have to say about what? that. What? <laughs> some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Well, that's all well and good, but our episode first begins with a freshly showered Felicia Hardy gearing up as Black Cat and reminiscing about recent events. Her relationship with Spider-Man, the return of Morbius, and the whole great power, great responsibility thing. Meanwhile, Spider-Man is out searching for vampires and, to a lesser extent, the Black Cat. So Felicia in a towel. Yeah, it's a little bit of a shout out to the pubescent uh, viewers among <laughs> their audience, I suppose. A little gift there from the writers to them. Oh, this one's for you boys. And some girls. <laughs> it's just like with Mary Jane exercising in like season one. Oh God, Mary Jane in the workout clothes. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jesus. I guess that <laughs> solves the mystery of does Felicia wear any undergarments under the cat suit though? Because <laughs> seems like that's a no. It goes right on, yeah. Can't see the lines, right? Can't see the line, can you, Russ? No. Like, well, when she transforms here, she, like, does the power stance with, like, the fists. But she's, the animator is so fucking jacked this time. The eight pack's back. You sound a little jealous there, Peter, or something. Yeah, well, I mean, I've just got the quarantine dad bod going on, so. <laughs> you and me both, buddy. And also... We're all- it's that drinking for the last 20 years kind of bot that I've got going. Yeah. What are you talking about? Drinking for the last, what are we in? Day 93? <laughs> Pretty much. I think I've drank more in these last like three months than I might have in like the last two years. It's pretty bad. <laughs> I know, Vero. I saw you at New Year's. Oh. I <laughs> got her. I'm going to fall asleep the second I get in the car after my husband drives me home. <laughs> I like that they capped this scene with Spider-Man here, and he says, uh, Will I ever see the black cat again? She seems to have soured on the superhero life. Maybe it should have been more encouraging. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine why. Do yourself a big favor. Forget it. My great powers have given me nothing but grief. Quit while you still can. <laughs> Maybe I should have been more uh, nurturing than absolutely not nurturing at all in any way. I don't know if you guys noticed, but the stark contrast between Felicia's voice and Black Cat's voice. Or betray another. Either way, I can't avoid hurting somebody. Oh, hey, Budgums. And then it's just like, I'm the Black Cat now. Like, <laughs> just, what the fuck? Black Cat's gonna go break some faces, Mom. Let's go, Budgums. Peter. <laughs> She's wearing her ovaries on the outside for this one. It's, uh... <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, uh, halfway around the world, in a stereotypically Eastern European town, a lady vampire attempts to drain a portly villager. She's stopped by Blade and flees while the daywalker gives chase on his motorcycle. She uses her apparently telekinetic powers to unseat the hunter and seeks refuge at a nearby castle. So where the fuck is this castle? And why would you live under a castle? I'm pretty sure it's the same village that Morbius is from. Uh, <laughs> she just moved in after he left <laughs> i mean that's possible you know he never explained what the plague was maybe yeah. it was miriam fucking feasting on his yeah on uh, the plasma of the villagers 
Yeah, and he was too oblivious to realize it was a vampire like everybody else because that's how vampires work. Well, it's fine. Apparently, this guy's fine. The villager, like this Romanian Wilson Fisk character (laughs) who's like not as chunky, but it has a happening mustache like Villanova SQ Fisher. What? (laughs) My friends call me Mervilli Fish. I interest you in chair that is known sometimes to hover. Did you just like Google translate (laughs) Wilson Fisk? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) But you know this vampire is American because she uh, she goes up to someone in a small rural village in Eastern Europe and just starts speaking English to him. Oh, yeah. I need your plasma to sustain me on a long, long journey. He doesn't know what you're saying. Like, How much Google Translate did you use in this episode? I think I said... Um, I don't speak English. Can I sell you a flying chair in Romanian? <laughs> Romanian <laughs> but, listeners, let us know. <laughs> but I've been drinking since three. Well, yeah, it is. It is Thursday. <laughs> so why not? Um, the one voice I did recognize that was Miriam, the vampire queen, who's played here by Nichelle Nichols. Say what? Who is well known and best known for her role as Lieutenant O'Hara in the original Star Trek series and its related films. Woo! She's also dipped her toe into voice acting from time to time. For example, she appeared on Gargoyles and Batman the Animated Series in guest appearances. Well, that's cool that she was in two other sweet 90s shows. I was very interested in how they were going to keep a vampire PG. I'd like to believe that she's actually a psychic or otherwise known as energy vampire. You know, the kind that Tumblr tells you to watch out for. Here are 10 signs your friend is an energy vampire. Are they very needy? Do they give you a headache? Okay, I get the fucking hint, Vero. (laughs) (laughs) So they're every relationship I've ever had in my entire life. Yes. Just draining me of the will to live. Just draining you. Uh, But I will say that I actually liked that they gave her psychic powers um, because that pretty much stands with powerful vampires having telekinetic and telepathic abilities. So, yeah, I love how they continued with insisting that uh, the vampires need plasma watching it now. It's like as a kid, it's like, oh, shit, it's going to take this plasma. But now it's like, just just say blood. We've talked about it before, but it is super weird considering they say blood in the theme song of the show. <laughs> he does have radioactive spider blood. Well, Blake Gibbs chase here on foot, pursuing the vampire and using some fancy sunlight producing gadgets. He ends up snagging her cloak, but she pulls it free and nearly causes Blade to fall to his death as she makes her escape. The cloak provides some clues, though, a copy of the Daily Bugle announcing the return of Morbius and a half of a medallion, the significance of which seems to shake Blade to his core. Man, this music that they have for Blade in this chase scene is fucking <laughs> top notch. So yeah, good. Growling guitars. Yeah, like sick bass line. You know, we talked about like how Daredevil was supposed to have a spinoff. Like the seeing Blade on his own, I'm like, this could have been a spinoff. It couldn't, though, because like it's they work so hard to not say blood and to really hide everything. Uh, about vampires and the lore it's just too dark i think like it works okay in this and even then peter hates it but um i think long term you just wouldn't be able to dodge that stuff enough it it would really get taxing after a while you know it doesn't get taxing 
hearing how mad Peter gets when the laser roped crossbow comes back out again. But at least this time it explodes and it, it makes sunlight. You're like, OK, well, that's something different and it's useful. So I don't know. It, so far, I was like, OK, this is pretty good. See, but OK, that's fair. But my question is, how did he get that motorcycle overseas? Sends it over like a, uh, yeah, one of those rich people that bring their cars everywhere. That takes months. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> luckily, we won't have to worry about timelines in this episode. <laughs> but like, it feels like this just cut to a different show already in progress. It's like you switch channels when you're like, oh, what's on Fox? <laughs> yeah, it's like you're surfing uh, I don't around. think anyone has ever said that, Vera. <laughs> Easy there, Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> So Blade is chasing Miriam and they go into the castle and there's a drawbridge and the drawbridge like goes up and Blade's like thwarted, like whatever. But he actually grabs on and like goes in. And I'm like, wait, why did you need a drawbridge when you can fly? (laughs) And they show her earlier flying above the castle. Yeah, just leave it closed all the time. It's for her delivery of capes. She was okay. expecting a Why new one by open? horseback. <laughs> she has the puffy shirt and she needs a new fluffy shirt because it gets covered in blood. She was expecting to be covered in blood after the feast. Plasma. Today. Sorry. Uh, well, plasma is pretty clear, actually. So, you know, but it's still going to be it's going to stay. It you smells. Know. It smells. And you just once you get Romanian Wilson Fisk all over your blouse, <laughs> that thing is never the same. Let me tell you. Oh, come on. Maybe she did need more capes because she ditches her cape so easily here. Like Blade's pursuing her and he like jumps up and he grabs onto the edge of her cape and she just like lets it go, which I really liked. Actually, like it was it made a ton of sense because it's like, oh, yeah, all right, I'll drop this thing. I don't want to. And then the fact that it had some stuff in it uh, that was useful to the plot. Made a ton of sense. The whole thing worked really well. I thought it was kind of cool. No, I agree with you. I got to say, we should give the Daily Bugle more credit because it's <laughs> apparently now an international newspaper. <laughs> yeah, Move exactly. over, New York Times. <laughs> the, the Daily DB. Bugle, the number one newspaper of Eastern Russia or whatever the <laughs> fuck this is. Well, maybe, though, this isn't even Europe. Like Whistler said last episode, he said Blade was in Transylvania, but actually he's in Pennsylvania. Like he's only an hour and 30 minutes outside <laughs> of the city, two hours with traffic. That's yeah. I mean, I don't know. This might be what rural Pennsylvania looks like. There maybe there's the Romanian J. Jonah Jameson. Did you Google <laughs> translate that? <laughs> no. J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, so when Blade pulls out the Daily Bugle, the front page, my girl Deborah in a classic science pose, fucking test tube up. Beaker of unknown liquid. Yeah. And you know what? Good for her. They gave her credit. Move over, Doc Connors. There's a new neogenesis in town. Clay? <laughs> it's probably Clay. Yeah, but I don't know. The, the way they actually end this scene with Blade yelling no, I didn't believe the no. I, I've heard better no's out of this show. I thought it was a quality no. It's better than a Vader no. I mean, that's a low bar. That's fair. I say no to that. No! Just remember that your no gets you your next job. (laughs) I mean, it's no, no, I will always love you. Back in New York, the Black Cat and Spider-Man separately continue their search for Morbius, but are coming up empty-handed. We discover Morbius hasn't been feeding and is growing weak, refusing to hurt people to sustain himself. 
However, the vampire queen shows up, revealing that she is named Miriam. She's linked to the other vampires psychically and wants the recombinator to make some more. Morbius dips, but she's able to glean enough from his mind to form a plan. So this homeless person goes and uh, stumbles upon Morbius, like, pissing in the corner and decides, like, <laughs> hey, buddy, like, what are you doing? Like, give the man some privacy. He's <laughs> had a long night out. I don't know. It just looked, to me, it looked like the Gorton's fisherman <laughs> fell on hard times here. Like, what is Gorton's? I know, like, um, oh fuck, was it Highliner? That's the only. That's the fisherman I trust. Yeah, you know, it could be either one. <laughs> what are you talking about? We're talking about fish sticks. Hey, hey, Vero, do you like fish sticks? I like fish sticks in my mouth. Oh, they must be a gay fish. Gay fish, yo. Motherfucking gay fish. Gay fish. I'm a fish, yo. So Miriam shows up and she introduces herself and the line read when Morbius reiterates her name is just like a confused like, wait, what? Miriam, how did you find me? He's obviously confused because he's walking around here in pants and a trench coat. And I'm not sure how he even got that trench coat because he wasn't he was just wearing the pants last episode. He just got this trench coat out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, he was shirtless. Yeah. He actually destroyed his original duster when he got neogenicked. Yeah. Neogenicked? So, yeah, it's a it's a verb now. All right. You're right, Kevin. He just stole some random guy's duster. I don't know. I guess it was somebody who was drying it on a clothesline like they do in the <laughs> movies. <laughs> he just oh, yeah. swoops by. Just I mean, <sighs> if he's stealing clothing, I would if I was him, I'd get something to really soften my image, like maybe a pair of Crocs or something. I don't know. I don't think Crocs were even around then. All right, get him some like a like a, a cool graffiti coat, maybe. Burks. The bucket hat. Ooh, the bucket hat. That would hide his, uh, his pig nose pretty well, I think. Well, like yeah. the guy from Weedus. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, meanwhile at ESU, Flash, Deborah Whitten, and old favorite Clay Ooh. are picking up the pieces following the previous episode. Their plans to continue the work are interrupted by the arrival of Miriam, who enthralls them to learn who took the Neogenic Recombinator. Namely, Herbert Landon. Man, Deborah blaming herself for Michael being on the loose. I gotta give it up to my boy Flash one more time because it probably took every ounce of him to not be like, yeah, I told you so. I but I thought Deborah was your girl. Like, what are you who are they just both your boy and girl? She wants Listen, them to mate. Yeah, Deborah <laughs> is my like like I respect her scienceness. I respect her success and her get it done attitude but flash i feel is like he's a golden boy he's a heart of gold and so you're just shipping them real hard is what yeah you're yeah that's fair i mean flash has been like fighting in the big leagues for years having to deal with all of uh felicia hardy's horse shit and now he's just down like fighting under his weight class with like normal women and he's just killing it here it's like yeah i know how to deal with your problems like, I'm really good at it. It's easy, Deb. How are you supposed to know the foundation that funded you was bogus? Come at me when you're on your day nine of a blow bender and you're trying to hit me with a car. That's like a Felicia Hardy problem. Yeah. Reassuring fair. you about work is like, that's easy. You killed someone? What, Felicia? Okay, uh, I'll be there in five minutes. Yeah, Flash <laughs> knows just what to say. I love it. Uh, I also love the way that Clay is just here now. And he always has been so like, like <laughs> it just makes him so suspicious. It reminds me of the parasite episode of uh, Rick and Morty. Oh, yeah. Like where they have add Mr. Poopy butthole and everyone just acts like he's been there the whole time. I mean, good for Clay. I just really want to go and see the flashback where he's in all the flashbacks. 
I mean, I respect Clay. He wants some fucking science cred. He's he's a man that wants to change the world. I think he just needs his credit, and then he's like, "Fuck all of you." <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. out. Yeah. He's counting his forty hours a week, and he's just like, "See God ya." Damn it! As soon as I get that letter of recommendation, I am done. Right, Clay? Yeah. Well, Miriam shows up here, and I realize that Spider-Man as a series depends almost entirely on people accepting the idea that any and all buildings, regardless of height, have windows that can be easily opened. Which is not at all true. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we pretend it's normal to have a 10th story window with shutters, but it's not. <laughs> like, she just ghosts in here and the windows are open and are bigger than a human. Like, that is not a thing that happened ever. Not after the Depression, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that why? Also, when Miriam shows up, the lights go out. Did she use her telekinesis to turn off the light switch to make herself spookier? Yes, yes, she did. (laughs) What's the point of that? She's just going to enthrall them. So Deborah here goes and throws Landon right under the bus. I mean, wouldn't you? Why would she? Why wouldn't she? Fuck that guy. Uh, for sure. But then it's like, uh, Miriam is just like, Landon, take <laughs> me to Landon. <laughs> I am Clinton. Well, either way, Miriam continues her crosstown tour at the hospital where Landon is being treated. She uses her hypnotism to get the location of the recombinator as well as the knowledge to use it, much to Big Willie Fisk's dismay when he later discovers it's been stolen from him. It pans to the hospital and Landon's lying in the bed and it definitely gave me a dark night vibe. I said the same thing. Because it's Aaron Eckhart. It's literally like that. You see half his face, he rolls over and it's just like Aaron Eckhart. Yeah. Yeah. It's really freaky. It's a cool shot. And I'm like, they did it first, technically. That's artsier that I would give the show credit for normally. It's kind of funny because like that happens. You got this creep in the corner and then there's a regular looking cop guy uh, just sitting there keeping an eye on him because he's a criminal. That's fine. But uh, Miriam comes in. She's just like. What are you? Sleep, human. You were born a human as well. It's not like you're a different, completely different species. Like, Well, they think they are. I mean, subspecies at best. Well, so do mutants. Homo superior. Yeah, I don't know. That's like, If you can still mate together, then you're not a truly different species. Boom. It's true. That's how it works. You were surprised about Miriam saying human to the cop. I was surprised the cop chose to sit on the side of Landon. That was the gross side. <laughs> well, he was <laughs> facing the wall a second ago. Maybe he just gets up and moves every time he moves. It's like gross. <laughs> He's like, oh, God, not that side again. And he like moves over. <laughs> and then she just like uses her telekinesis to make him go to sleep, I guess. But I, I kind of I didn't know she has that power or not, or he's just like, yeah, OK, that's a good out and just pretends to be asleep. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, do what you want. I don't even care. This guy's an asshole. <laughs> like, I'm so sick of that guy's weird foot poking out behind the blanket, like just cutting through it with his weird toes. Oh, Fuck God. that guy. We've had to change the sheets five times in this guy's fucking bed. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. just feel bad for the nurses and the orderlies. <laughs> hospital sheets are paper thin he just cuts through them like butter he has one nightmare his weird (laughs) urine's disintegrated three bedpans already it's a fucking nightmare in here take him i don't give a shit that's true uh and then they cut over to like willie fisk and he's just so distraught by the loss here comes two pin comes in (laughs) and his giant tube 
<laughs> his face when he's in the elevator and it like stops he's got this contemplative face on and then he just dro- his heart drops the second he d- he sees that the recombinator is gone what? the neogenic recombinator is gone I would have liked to have seen her not understand this technology very well and just ripped it in half <laughs> like she lives in like a medieval town <laughs> in fucking Romania yeah. right now with potentially horse-drawn carriages if it is Morbius's town which we saw it was like wheelbarrows of people and now she's handling the most sophisticated fucking science the wheelbarrows of people is that what you meant to say <laughs> is that how they get around somebody carries you around in a wheelbarrow because you're too drunk <laughs> No, I meant yeah, yeah. I meant wheelbarrows full of plague people. Spider-Man investigates the ESU crime scene and talks to Terry Lee. The three students are all drained of their plasma, and Morbius is believed to be the culprit. Black Cat listens in from the rooftops, and Spidey catches up to her, but she insists she wants to work alone on this one. Regardless, the two head to see Whistler for help. So we find out that Miriam actually went and stole the plasma off of Deborah and I guess Flash and poor Clay. Like, she got the info she needed. Why did she need to fucking do that? Because she had a long journey and she was thirsty. She never even got to drain that guy with a mustache. Oh, yeah, you're right. If you enthrall someone, you might as well go for the snack. I thought it was like a Spider-Man just going to swing in here and just draw dicks on Flash Thompson's face with a Sharpie. <laughs> he's like, I'm Aww. not really here for the investigation. Because <laughs> like he's lying, lying there, semi-conscious, like, <laughs> fuck you. And Flash got taken down by Morbius the first time. So he would know what it'd be like to get sucked by another vampire. Yeah, he knows what it's like to get sucked. He's anemic as fuck. Boom. I like that uh, uh, Terry Lee drops a webhead here. Forget it, webhead. He's too dangerous that is offensive, ma'am, and I do not appreciate it. I thought we were friends. Yeah. Spider-Man goes up on the rooftop and starts talking to the black cat, and then she says she has to go to Whistler. She didn't ever say where she got the weapons the week before or the night before, and so where was Spider-Man's response of, like, you fucking know Whistler? Oh, shit, he's fucking jacked, right? I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Can we talk about how For jacked like a, he is? a guy with a cane, like, he doesn't stop. Like, every day is, like, leg day. <laughs> or it's chest day for him. Every he's day pumping is like that arm iron. day and chest day, like, full body. You think yeah. he does CrossFit? Like, he's he's a regular human, and he's more jacked than us. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to fight him. They are at a, a, on top of a theater, though, here. And uh, an interesting little note is that the movie theater uh, is playing Les Yeux Sans Visage, which is a French film from 1960. Uh, it translates to Eyes Without a Face. Uh, it's actually about a surgeon who tries to graft faces onto his daughter because hers was wrecked in a car accident. Um, doesn't seem to be related in this episode at all. I assume the American version is that hit film Face Off. But. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, so also, why haven't they remade Face Off? Just saying, Hollywood, get get on it. Get on it. And also, with Nicolas Cage again. Just do it. <laughs> okay. It's yeah. Nicolas Cage putting on the face of Nicolas Cage. Yeah, make them both of them. Make them both. Just have them play everyone. Yeah, um, wasn't, he, anyway. wasn't he twins in, in, the fir- in the first one, dude? There was Castor and Pollux. They're brothers, they're not twins. No, no, there wasn't, they weren't twins, no. 
And they were played by two different actors, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. But it's like man. Alessandro something was the Who, what kind of idiot mother names in that then? Probably some idiot mother names her child Blade. <laughs> we'll get into that. So Terry Lee is back. Yay, Terry Lee. Terry Lee. I like strong Terry Lee lady. a lot. And she is not nearly as strong as she normally is in this episode, and it's a huge disappointment to me. Kevin, it's hard to be strong every day. You know, sometimes every strong person's a little weak. Anyway, so they arrive at the Whistler garage uh, and the debate continues about killing the capturing Morbius. And Spider-Man briefly flirts with the idea about thinking critically about Black Cat's involvement and motivations in this, but then decides not to. Terry Lee then joins the party and the crew sets out to hunt for the vampire and have an awkward, evasive conversations in the car. Um, okay. I have to believe that at this point, Spider-Man knows that it's Felicia, but like can't say it because he's so afraid that something, if he deduces it out loud to himself, it's something bad will happen to her. Do you know what I mean? Saying he's superstitious? <laughs> well, he's like conscientiously being obtuse because he's like, oh, there's no way it's Felicia. You know what I mean? Like he's so nervous right now of like someone else getting hurt. If he figures out her identity, he endangers her. Do you know what I mean? Nah, he's just a big dummy. That must be it. She must have sympathy for his plight. Like, good old sympathy. Where would our love lives be without it? Am I right, Peter? Um, no. That's just you, buddy. <laughs> Fuck you. So there's a bunch of animation reuse here. I'm pretty sure that they took Spider-Man talking to Whistler from on top of the lockers or whatever the fuck he is from the other episode. Yep. Yeah, I think so too. He used to, yeah. like, I remember distinctly being upset about why he's jumping around so much in that episode. Just so they can get the shots to reuse them later. So Spider-Man and Black Cat are like chilling on the back of a moving car because that's <laughs> where they want to chat. And <laughs> Black Cat's motivation for helping Morbius is she knew someone who had vampirism. What? Why are you so interested in Morbius? Someone close to me once became a victim of vampirism. This isn't the time to talk about it. And she's so shifty about it. <laughs> it's like, okay, like that doesn't beg the question. This isn't like someone who got sick and died from a disease and you want to study the disease. Vampirism's like one in a million. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening a lot. Also, think about the context of how they ended up on the roof like that. Like Terry Lee and Whistler are in the front seat of this van. There are more seats in the van. Like it looks like it seats like eight, seven. And... They are on the roof. And like, so like what? Whistler goes out to get the van and he's like, okay, let's go. They jump on the roof and like hunker down. And he's like, um, what do you not, you're not just going to get in the van, but the vibrations are already started. Cause he turned it on. And they're like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like just mashing their pelvises into the roof of this thing. Like <laughs> they are like doing like some form of like up dog cobra, like mashing the way they're holding you right. Yeah, they're squishing their like junk into it like a dissatisfied mom <laughs> on an old washing machine. They're like, nah, we're good up here. This is good. Like, you think, oh, okay, like they gotta be out there in case there's action. And there's literally none. They just drive to a place. So it's completely pointless. But Whistler here just like, good thing you didn't date him. Well, I wonder if there's any other eligible bachelors around here. Slides his cane yeah. over and like hooks just her like, knee. <laughs> he's just fucking like flexing the whole time he's driving. 
He kind of is. You can see the yeah. guns. He's flexing. He stops short, Peter, and then he does the like catch, like like in That's Seinfeld. my move. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, you know, uh, drive slowly and carry a big stick. This is king. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <'Cause> I don't know. <laughs> Old Whistly knows his way around some gadgets. If you know what I mean. Oh. Oh, jeez. The monster machine arrives at the electronics plant using the vampire tracker that they apparently have. They discover Miriam stealing parts for their combinator and a fight breaks out, but they gain the upper hand. Unfortunately, Blade shows up to defend Miriam and reveals that she is his mother. His allegiance is clear. The fighting continues, but the balance of power has shifted. I was really hoping it was the same factory that Morbius went to in the first episode because it seemed like it was a very specific microchip. Um, I don't know, because actually they do say where they are this time and it is different than the last time. Uh, this is Kishi Electronics. And I Googled it, did a little Jigsaw Jameson on this one. Jigsaw Jameson is back. Kishi is Japanese for night. That's K-N-I-G-H-T. And I don't know if that has anything to do at all with this episode. Uh, but there you go. It's unrelated to the merchandising that Spider-Man did in the 90s. Um, at the very best I can think of, it's kind of a night, night pun. Like N-I-G-H-T, K-N-I-G-H-T. Because vampires. I don't know. That's it, 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 it. I don't know what the fuck the point of that was. Well, great, Kevin. That's some good jigsaw Jamesoning. Uh, it's, it's the, that is the nature of journalism. Yes. <laughs> Deep dives. There we go. As so Terry Lee here goes and says, Nosferatu. Put the guard down, Morbius. You're not. Yeah. Morbius doesn't have some sweet cape and a Grace Jones haircut here. Or an El DeBarge mullet. I can say the rhythm of the night. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, all right, we gotta fucking take him down anyway. Here's a tip, Whistles. Don't announce your attacks before you do them. This sunburst grenade will end your plasma training days. How about you don't say that? You just throw the weapon and maybe you'll actually succeed, you idiot. Yeah, it's like you say that shit after. Like John McClane said that shit after. Mm -hmm. That's how, yeah, the 80s got that right. You, you say the cool line after you get the kill. After you ice, ice the villain, you know? I mean, some people are just trying to always ice skate uphill, Peter. It's not their fault. I've never um, heard that expression before. Uh, who <laughs> said that? So. I don't know. I think it was Socrates. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. The Greeks known for their ice skating. <laughs> of basically Black Cat single-handedly tackling Miriam and fighting her. And Spider-Man's like, oh, look at this piece of paper right here. And, yeah. just, starts, <laughs> and just starts reading this paper instead of helping his partner take down the bad guy oh my god these are the plans for the recombinator she said she didn't want his help so uh she's not gonna get it i guess he's, he's being very literal here so how did um how did miriam even know how to build this is this because she saw into landon's mind yeah I and learned science and kung fu <laughs> i know kung fu and now she has a deep hatred for mutants yeah <laughs> she just <laughs> she looks at felicia and she's just like you're not a mutie are you she's not surprised at cecily at all real surprise i'm surprised at you cecily really surprised <laughs> i like that blade rolls in here and he just goes slap happy <laughs> like he just starts slapping shit yeah. <laughs> people have guns he just slaps them out of their hands nope <laughs> 
<laughs> no. 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 Well, I didn't know Blade was so sentimental. He comes in here and he's just like, This locket that she once possessed has proven to me that she is Miriam, my mother. Maybe she stole it off of your mother. Yeah, maybe she did. She could have stolen off your mother. You're right. Yeah, here. maybe she went and fucking exsanguinated your mom and then took it from her like, oh, this will be nice and shiny. And then Miriam goes and says, Blade? Hold on a second. Did she fucking name her child Blade? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want a terrible dark life for him. I'll name him Blade. <laughs> what? What the actual fuck? Looking it up, you'll see that Blade's real name is Eric Brooks. No, she named him Blade in this continuity. So cool. I wanted her to be like Miriam Jr. Like he's got like a girl's name. Like nobody Ashley? heard that. <laughs> you have to Evelyn? Cut it. It's a man's name. Yeah, it's a man's name. It's a man's name. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, uh, but Blade's plan here is kind of ridiculous. That is why I shall take her away and cure her. Yeah, I'm going to cure her like I cured myself. Wait, no, wait. Let me think about this. Like, you don't have the ability to cure anybody. You don't even know about the recombinator. Like, yeah, if he did, he would have fixed himself, right? Like, that's his whole arc is that he doesn't want to be that anymore. And he has to take the serum and all this stuff. Like, he has no ability to save vampires. That's why he just murders them. Yeah. So what's the plan there, bud? You're not a scientist. Well, to bring her in so that someone else can cure her, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess he doesn't actually have a plan. Well, after Blade draws his line in the sand, Spider-Man doesn't give a fuck about his plans because Blade barely finishes his line of, You'll have to fight me first. Before Spider-Man just fucking tackles him off his motorcycle. It was like he was waiting for an excuse to kick his ass from like two years ago when Blade humiliated him with the garlic. I don't know. It looked like there was some weird vendetta inside because he's just like... He doesn't waste a second. I love this move. Yeah. He's just like... Instantly tackles him. It's brilliant. You'll have to finish me... Well, as you're saying, the brawl continues here, and Black Cat is nearly drained by Miriam, but Morbius shows up to save her. Miriam takes the parts she needs and bolts, Blade throws some gadgets around, and then destroys the crew's vampire tracker and admonishes them not to follow. Against Whistler's objections, they take a very weak Morbius in to try and use Blade's serum on him. So Terry Lee goes and, like, picks up the crossbow and says, No way! She's gotta pay for the crime she's committed. This from you, Terry Lee? And then I love Blade's response here, because it's just like, This from you, Terry Lee? There's, like, so much <laughs> gravitas on that line read. It's like, who f- like, who fucking cares? Like, it's the deepest fucking thing he said. Like, he said, like, do you even give a fuck about Terry Lee, Blade? <laughs> no, he's just got a seducer to not shoot yeah. Like, he's throwing every bit of his he, sexual, like, He's trying to glamour her, yeah. Anytime he says, Terry Lee, it's Terry. just, she's just like, boom. Terry Lee. There's no daytime Emmys for kids shows in the 90s, buddy. Like, phone it in. (laughs) There should be. Hold on. There should be. (laughs) Like, come on. This from you, Terry Lee. Terry Lee. Terry Lee. So after Spider-Man tackles Blade, it's game on in Battletown. And uh, Black Cat tackles 
uh, Miriam in midair, who then hucks her into Whistler. Now, Peter, if you could humor us, <laughs> because Whistler goes flying. Black Cat hits him in the back upper shoulders, and he just takes like a tumble fully into a bunch of boxes. Like he's fucked. He only had two more weeks on that cane, and yeah. and then he would have been able to walk again. Like, what are yeah. you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was the physical therapy was going to pay off. <laughs> Oh man, I think it's really weird though um, how Miriam uh, grabs onto Black Cat after this, and uh, she says, "You are strong. I can't wait to see what your plasma does to me." So she's implying here that if you drain someone's plasma and they are like super powered or something, you get additional benefits, which has some interesting implications here, like the people are not all the same you know what i mean like do different people taste differently or like do you like if someone's super powered you get some superpowers is that what she's saying like what if somebody's super weak do you become weaker is that how this works i don't really it, it opens up a pandora's box that i'm like i don't really know about this i think the person we should ask about this is adrian Toomes. <laughs> Because yeah. <laughs> I think he has some experience. Uh, I rewatched some of the Morbius episode, and he says the same thing when he's about to drain Spider-Man. And I took it at the time as like, okay, he's kind of like a genetically modified vampire, so maybe that's a thing he can do, because he's not like a traditional one. But apparently a traditional vampire can also get those benefits. Or maybe she just doesn't know, and this is the first time she's ever drank she's a super hoping. Yeah, she's just hoping. Yeah, maybe it's like the placebo effect. She just thinks she's stronger and everyone's like, no, she's the same. (laughs) Yeah, that could be true. Uh, (laughs) Like, she just fucks off and then uh, Blade is like, oh, I gotta give chase. And he just goes and like smashes the vampire tracker, but he like pulls it out of the bag first. One of the whistlers be like, hey, that was my insulin pump, you dick. But whose bag was that? It's was all- that Whistler's bag? <laughs> yeah, it was Whistler's bag. Whistler's satchel. It's his, it's his man satchel, and then he's got the vampire tracker in it. All uh, his gadgets. Also, I love that Blade refused to get off the motorcycle to do it. Like, he's about to leave, <laughs> turns around on his motorcycle, picks it up, smashes it, and then <laughs> leaves. Oh, he already had the vibrations. He really doesn't want to stand up straight. Yeah. <laughs> But did you guys hear Blade has his own version of please? You got to say please because Whistler's going full dad here. He's not mad. He's just disappointed. Oh, yeah. my God. Can we talk about the terrible line right here? <laughs> it's not his crippling physique that hurts the most. It's his heart. Are you OK? No, I'm disappointed in Blade. And then he has to immediately turn around and start like be like, no, please don't take the vampire to my house. Please don't take the vampire <laughs> to my house. I don't want this. No, everyone keeps coming to my house. I live alone for a reason. And then Black Cat again with the super obvious. He has to want to be human. That's the only way it will work. Whistler, I believe that now he does. After I spoke to him right before he turned into a man bat before my eyes, he really reneged on the whole vampire thing. I mean, sorry. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, no, we got to head back to the fucking theater, though, because in 20 minutes, Whistler has to be on stage as Sir Topham Hat. So fucking let's go. <laughs> Sir Topham Hat. Yeah, it's community theater, I assume. <laughs> 
So at the Whistler Garage, the serum seems to do the trick, and it stabilizes Morbius. The team discuss their new plans, and Morbius reveals that he can track the Vampire Queen using their psychic link. Despite their differences of opinion, the sun is rising, and they'll have to disperse until dusk when they can make their next move. It's not really deus ex, because that's a common vampire uh, lore, is uh, either someone who's been preyed upon or is a vampire has a psychic link to their maker or what have you. So if she's like queen vampire, it works like it tracks. Yeah, the head vampire or, or, or something like that. It's like is it's like uh, what it's like the girl in the Drac in Bram Stoker's Dracula, like she can sense where he is. Easy with the hints about your secret identity, Peter. Jesus Christ. When he says, I never knew my parents either. Once a vampire, always a vampire. Admitting that you were an orphan kind of narrows down who you might be, buddy. Black Cat just turns and is like, oh, I know a guy who lives with his aunt. (laughs) Peter's like, oh, I know an orphan (laughs) child. Wait a minute. Well, the fact that they neither of them have fucking figured it out by now is ridiculous. It's pretty. It's pretty obvious. Also. This whole thing is a little weird to me because I got a very conflicting message from this episode because on one hand, it's about giving people a chance, uh, like in the case of Morbius, like, oh, don't just kill him. We got to we got to give him we got to try and save him and all this. There's goodness in him, right? all that stuff. Right. And then on the other hand, it's like once a vampire, always a vampire for the for the mother, like Miriam. Yeah. yeah. Fucker. They are having two very different uh, opinions of vampires here based on kind of nothing. Well, because you know, Blade's not there to vouch for her, I guess. Whereas Black I Cat's guess. like, he wants to be human, it's fine. I, I mean, it's just weird, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's kind of internally inconsistent. But don't think about that. End scene! We get a series of short scenes. First at the park, Terry Lee and Blade share a tender moment, showing that despite their differences, there's still some love there. So Blade here is just picking up where he left off. Runs up to Terry Lee, puts his hand on her cheek. Gets those aggressive eyebrows going. And just keeps saying, Terry Lee. I mean, yeah. She's done. I mean, women love it when you talk about their your mother constantly, right? Well, no, when you talk about your mother in the context that she, Terry Lee taught you how to love. That's a different kind of love, I hope. <laughs> no, but it's like, damn, you're right. I opened I opened you up to being warm now and you were cold. Like, I don't know. Blade knows what he's doing. I guess, but that makes him a bit of a manipulator. I don't know. It's just creepy how he keeps talking about mommy. It's like the opposite of our previous episodes. We're all about daddy. This one's all about mommy. Mommy says if I'm a good boy and I eat all my humans, I can have a toy from the store. It's not sins of the daddy, is it sins of the mommies? I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> well, whatever uh, Blade says to Terry Lee seems to work because they start making out. And I just wanted Blade to whisper in her ears, you can Terry leak my balls. <laughs> <laughs> good Lord. Oh, man. I can derelict my own balls. Thank you very much. She's already so down on herself this episode. It's such a bummer. Like, she's normally such a strong lady, and I don't like seeing her get, like, jerked around here. I don't know. And that's what, actually, that's what bugs me about this scene, is when he walks away. Don't try to follow me. 
Don't worry. I probably couldn't keep up with you anyway. But you know what would have been sick is if she like stuck a spider tracer on him because even though they're teamed up with Morbius, like she still doesn't fully trust Morbius and wants to get to the bottom of this herself. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I wanted her to still be strong, still doing her own thing, still being like down to earth cop shit. Yeah, to be like, yeah, you're messed up, Blade, but I still got to take her down because she's affecting the city or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She has an obligation to the public. And Blade here is just like, I must go, though. And (laughs) as before, (laughs) please don't follow me. Bye, don't follow me. (laughs) Bye, don't follow me. I don't stick out at all in this hot summer day in the middle of the park wearing all black leathers. Like, nobody will notice me. And do his gloves... Are his gloves attached to his jacket? Like, there's, you never see any, like, wrist skin. It's like one piece. Or his mommy makes him wear the string that goes inside of his coat, you know? So that if he drops them, they just hang down from his sleeves. Blade, we can't lose your biker gloves. Okay, mo- okay, mother. Yes, mommy. Yes, Miriam. Well, meanwhile, Peter is waking up at near dusk and suits up only to discover that his mask is torn. He hustles to avoid talking to Harry Osborn like anybody would and accidentally leaves that old mask exposed, which Harry quickly discovers. So Peter wakes up and he checks his clock and the voice acting for him to say, I gotta go. I've gotta go. It's pretty great. I gotta go. Like, he's like, <laughs> I don't know why. It makes I gotta go to the bank today. <laughs> he also yeah. keeps he keeps these masks in a in his fucking desk drawer. I mean, it's more it's an armor. He might accidentally use that as like a cum catcher one day. Wow! <laughs> and then he goes and puts the mask on, and it's all crusty. That top drawer, though, that's a dangerous spot. Like, you know, what if Harry comes in there? He's looking for, uh, you know, he's got a lady over. He's looking to get a couple of rubbers. It's like, ah, Pete won't mind if I borrow one. And then opens that top drawer. Uh Uh-oh. What's this? Dildo. No, it's the mask. I'm sorry. (laughs) What's this? A picture of me. (laughs) Get out. I said, but Harry, baby, get out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but Peter really does have to stop sleeping until 7 p.m. for fuck's sake. Set an alarm. Seriously. Harry just fucking waltzes in his roommate's room again. And to give him credit, when he says, I could have sworn I heard something. Yeah, it must have been Pete snoring for like six hours straight in the middle of the day. And yeah. Harry's just like, what the fuck's up with this guy? Like Peter hears uh, Harry like rummaging around out there calling for him. And this could have been the title of fucking Harry's autobiography. Harry, I don't have the time right now. Harry Osborne, I don't have the time right now. (laughs) (laughs) His father, his friends, his girlfriend, his mother. I don't have the time right now. Didn't his mother die? They don't tell you what happened to his mother in this one. We assume that she uh, divorced him and is living on an island with a 22-year-old Filipino boy. I remember that. We did that. Why we said that. Why is Filipino? I don't Okay. He was the pool boy. she got a thing for him. It's not a crime. So is, is Harry connecting the dots here? Like... <sighs> yeah, in the slowest way possible, yeah. he finds the Spider-Man mask and he remembers the time that, that Peter talked to him and then was completely gone with an open window. And he's just like, well, I'm going to have to take this to the Harry cave, do a few tests. But like, I got a hunch. <laughs> I don't know. He's got to run. He's got to crunch the numbers. 
Well, meanwhile, Whistler is lamenting to Black Cat about not getting enough attention from the ladies, but Felicia has only eyes for Morbius, telling him that she'll remain by his side and give him strength to endure. Man, Whistler is laying it on thick, the guilt trip about no one being in love with him. Yeah, and- miss me with that incel shit, buddy. And uh, I just keep picturing that the next time we're going to see him, he's going to be starting to wear like fake fangs and starts powdering <laughs> his face white. <laughs> he's just like, oh, yes, uh, I've been bit. I have now become Nosferatu. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's, uh, it is bad. What am I missing? Fangs, maybe? He seems to kind of be joking here, but he's joking in the way that you're like, is he even really joking or is he serious about this? It's making me feel uncomfortable. If he brings it up one more time, it's an N of three, which means he's serious. Yeah, I agree. That's right. Uh, You you can have a couple, but don't make this a pattern, buddy. Watch it, whistles. Mm -hmm. We got an eye on you. (laughs) So he goes and mentions that uh, his formula only can go and... Bring down the urge for plasma. It doesn't actually cure him. It's just the equivalent of like a cold shower then. Yeah, that's uh, that's basically it. But also Whistler needs a fucking cold shower in this though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. So Morbius is kind of semi-conscious here for a sec. And Felicia gets all up in there and they they have a little heart to heart. But he like reaches up and touches her face. <laughs> She's like, don't touch me with those hands. Like, <laughs> like, I, I mean, suckers. whatever you want to say about him, like whatever you like, I love him and the man and blah, blah, blah. Don't touch me with those fucking suckers. Don't oh, touch me yeah. with those fucking suckers. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. I was like, well, the claws are fine, but you're right. Inside that hand is. Yeah, he, he gives her like the hand, like the the tu- the, the cheek touch you know and if you're him you gotta go for the use the knuckles on that one right like you go for that move yeah yeah 100 percent. where you like you bend the fingers and you and you just give her a little bit of it that do you think she can stick her fingers in the leech holes and it's kind of like a like you're you're fired <laughs> <laughs> we good with that scene now is that is there anything else we could talk about because i don't want to anymore well do you guys notice that morbius's voice here is weirdly different yeah he starts going a little bit off character and it kind of continues for the rest of the episode i don't know if it's like irishy or the guy just kind of lost it it's it's the same act voice actor but he gets even more tommy wiseau is really how i would describe it yeah for the rest of my life felicia i do not know if i can rely on the serum for the rest of my life i'm like eastern european Christopher Walken. Like, it's a weird <laughs> change. You hide the plasma up your ass. For the rest of your life. Hit up his ass. <laughs> I hit the plasma up his ass. <laughs> There's no track marks then. <laughs> That's how you do it. Yeah. Well, we round out our quick scenes here with uh, Miriam using the recombinator to turn street punks into her vampire children, while Terry Lee tells Spider-Man that she's not strong enough to face Blade. Apparently in the 90s, random youths, I'll say, were just like, hey, man, like like all of them. Because that sounds right. Yes. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Because <laughs> that's how these folks greet this random vampire queen chilling in an alley. And uh, they don't call her man. They call her mama. You need help or something, mama? Yes. 
Yeah, because she's straight <laughs> posing on that wall. She's owning that wall. She's like, it's not, it's not mommy that's the opposite of daddy. It's mama. And I right. think Saved by the Bell taught us that lesson. Oh, mama. Yeah, thank you, Slater. I love the way that the guy says that, the line delivery here. You need help or something, mama? That's how I ask Vera when dinner is going to be ready, what her nights to cook. <laughs> that's my go-to. <laughs> You mean that, so? You mean the nights you order in? Ouch. Oh no, she cooks. It's fine. I love the imagery of Miriam wielding the recombinator like a fucking bazooka. Like she's just like, <laughs> ch- ch- let's go, babies. <laughs> just like, pew, pew, yeah, like just like over the shoulder, like got the yeah. fucking stance, nails yeah. him with it. <laughs> It's like, does it have a battery pack? I don't even care because this looks hilarious and I love it. Yeah. And that one dude punk that she hits is super old for no reason at all. (laughs) He's just got all these like lines on his face. You're like, dude, he's seen some shit, huh? He could be a hard 20, Kevin. (laughs) We've talked about the hard and soft. He's like he's a 20 year old who doesn't do well in knife fights or he's a 40 year old who does great in them. (laughs) One of the two. Wow. Why can't she just bite people into being vampires? She gets what she wants. She goes, and again, she gets what she wants. She gets the plasma and she gets the uh, transformation. So um, what the fuck? Yeah, they don't explain any of that. Like, how do you become a vampire? How do they normally reproduce? How did she become a vampire? It's not explained at all. Yeah. And it's very strange. Um, And that's why I I don't think it would work for a children's show because... You're going to have to explain that shit. Yeah, like how do you explain like plasma to plasma transfer? Like that's weird. That's a very good point. I was thinking the same thing as that like they maybe in this universe in Marvel's imagination of vampires is like a way more grotesque. Maybe it takes a lot out of her. Yeah, I don't know, though. The last little bit here uh, that they throw in. You coming in? I can't. I'm not strong enough. I'm sorry. I really didn't like that. I like Terry Lee's always been a badass and I feel like she normally finds a way. And even though they're kind of setting something up here, I don't think the payoff is good enough uh, for what they do to the character. I agree. Blade heads off to a not so secret hideout to see his mother and she reveals her double cross. She intends to create an army of vampires and will convert Blade to kick things off. Spider-Man and the gang arrive, having tracked Miriam with Morbius' psychic link and split up to find her. So there's that sweet music again. If you're looking at the OST, it would be Blade's theme. Yeah. So Blade goes into the club here and he goes right into a room called the dungeon. Oh, yeah. Like, is that that's pretty fitting? That actually reminds me of the opening scene of the first Blade movie. Oh, yeah. They ripped this off hard. Oh, I wrote the same thing. Absolutely. And it's Avi Arred who was the producer for both. Like, you know, he fucking stole from this. I love I love the uh, idea of vampires and nightclubs. It just works like everybody's sweaty and dancing in the dark. Like maybe you get bit. You don't realize like, I don't know. There's a lot of cool stuff that can happen with like vampires already sexy nightclub. Yeah. But if you go to an adjacent room in a nightclub and it's called the dungeon and everybody has their pants on, I'm calling shenanigans. True. True. So Blade ends up in there and finds his mom. 
Yeah, and she still has only that one ruffled shirt, uh, but she's content to wear only that. And then she calls these two vampire punks down. And <laughs> this is the first time you've got a good look at them because before it was like they got zapped and then it cut away. Now you're looking at them and like, they look a lot like Tombstone. <laughs> like, they're going to glide in to grab them like, hey, homie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just have a pie charm. I don't breathe. She is hamming it up, though. The uh, Miriam here and Michelle Nichols, I mean, specifically as the voice actress for this role. That was long before I'd seen the wonders of the eternal night. Join me. The eternal night. <laughs> I don't know. She's just like going so over the top and it's it's great. It really works for me. I actually enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed when Blade says that. Oh, soon you will be human. Then you can make a new life for us both. You could cut up hot dogs in my mac and cheese again or read me bedtime stories. I miss those days. <laughs> he's so like hurt, though, when he finds out that he's being double crossed. Like the way he yells, mother, I trusted you. Mother, I trusted you. He sounds like me when my mom said we're going to McDonald's, but really we're going to the doctor for a shot. <laughs> Even the struggle as the nurses try to hold you down. <laughs> you know, like, wow. it's just, and you're really like was this last week kevin <laughs> yeah I'm a, I'm a strong boy kevin's got that weird kid's wiry strength hold him down give him that flintstones vitamin <laughs> no <laughs> he's like a dog you have to put it in peanut butter otherwise he'll eat around it <laughs> i mean yeah basically they also go and show the people here dancing in the club, there's no music and they're just kind of like jumping up and down slightly. OK, this is like what a silent rock show was it Lullabalooza or some shit. It's, it's like when they film scenes at the bar in TV shows and just tell the extras to dance. Yeah, yeah. And they're all doing different shit. It, I mean, yeah. at one point, everybody is bobbing in exactly the same way. Yeah. Which is pretty. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Good. Yeah. The bass. Da, da, da. I mean, it's vintage 90s. There's not much music to speak of, but there's a lot of drugs going on. Like, like with Spider-Man circling back here as they arrive and they're, they're looking for uh, the vampire situation. And this coked up chick rolls up to him. Oh, nice suit, man. <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna have a hole in her septum in like t minus three years <laughs> that's clear no but uh spider-man finds uh blade here in time to stop his transformation and miriam bolts with the recombinator she's intercepted by morbius which causes a blast that reflects off a disco ball and creates more vampires using them as a distraction miriam runs and blade is too sad to continue until Terry Lee shows up inexplicably to give him the pep talk that he so dearly needs. This scene annoys me because it's such a hard cut between Spider-Man walking on the dance floor and just appearing above Miriam. Yeah. There's no linking scene. All you need is a transition to him be like, I'll check down there. I mean, they're also right at the bottom of the stairs, so it's kind of weird that he got down there and started like scuttling around rather than just immediately intervening i really liked the use of the disco ball scattering the recombinator shots it's been done a lot in media but it was perfect it just hits certain people they turn 
But what really could have sealed it was that the newly formed vampires just turn around and start taking down all the normies. Yeah. Just full bloodbath. Yeah. yeah, that didn't happen at all. Everyone's just kind of like, oh, oh. what's going on? They are like, grinning yeah. like idiots, even as people are turning into monsters around them. Right. The other thing I would have liked to see is, you know, this looks like it's a punk club in the 90s. Where's the person running into the laser being like, make me a vampire? Yeah, there's a bunch of goths who are just like, fuck, this was my chance. Oh, man, I could have been forever night. Whatever, you know, turning to a vampire is just like too cool. Now it's too mainstream. There's three vampires in the room. Like, whatever. But instead, she just fucks off. Like, they drop the recombinator and it makes this horrible sound. But it's fine. So she just scoops it up and flies away. Um, and then Terry Lee just shows up and when, when Blade is at his absolute lowest. And his response is very telling. He says, You appear, but how? Good question. How did she get here? I came here with DeMont. <laughs> I, came here with, I came here with Spider-Man. Oh, hi. He's like in the background getting punched. <laughs> yeah. And then he gets ripped apart by a vampire. Oh, hey, I'm the designated driver. <laughs> oh, hey. Uh, no, nah, no, nah. I mean, I just mean she's reduced to a cheerleader here again, and I don't really care for it, so whatever. And now we get a showdown, which is at the top of a random bell tower somewhere else, where Blade lobs a single flash grenade and Spider-Man shoots a single web, causing the vampires to drop from the sky and Miriam to drop the recombinator, which breaks and causes anti-vampire rays to shoot out and fix them. Miriam flies off, and that's just kind of it for the threat to this episode, I guess. What a fucking letdown. The hard cut from the scene in this like club to the top of the tower is really abrupt. And then this whole climax takes 25 seconds. The scene of the four of them on the clock tower balcony, you know, looks really sick. And it looks like that should have been a fucking to be continued. Yeah, like a big brawl. Shit's going to hit the fan. Mm-hmm. And then it's just... A great joke by Blade. Is it? Now these four will join us. Not on your afterlife. <laughs> it's a pretty good joke. It's a good dad Is joke. It? Okay. Is Terry Lee pregnant? Because that's a dad joke. And that's it. Yeah. It falls slightly farther than it did the last time. Like maybe an extra five feet. And instead of just making a kind of an annoying metal sound, it blows the fuck up. Good thing that apparently it undoes its 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 most recent setting when it explodes because that just fixes the vampires that bothered to show up. I'm sure there were more like in the crowd that stayed behind, right? Just like ripping apart people in the dance floor. I'm sure Whistler's back there just staking all these people in the heart. Like, oh, I gotta do cleanup again. <laughs> <laughs> Whistler's people. doing the hard fucking the labor. Fuck? Yeah. No, they changed back into humans when it exploded. He's not just staking humans. <laughs> he is. Oh, no. Whistler's just running around like... He's mid-staking and they just turn back into a person and he finishes the stab? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. They might still be vampires in his mind. You're not fooling me this time. (laughs) Didn't he say once Uh, a vampire, always a vampire? Always a vampire. (laughs) Yeah. And he's just Stab, stab, (laughs) stab. Yeah. (laughs) 
And she just flies off like, fuck you. Like, my beautiful children. My beautiful children lost to me again. Uh, I mean, they were pretty ugly, objectively. These things are ghouls. Yeah, yeah, they are very ghoul-like, you're right. Because they're like an, a bluey skin tone. They're yeah, more monstrous. Yeah. We get two sad goodbyes as first Blade bids farewell to Terry Lee as he takes off to hunt down and save his mother. Then Spider-Man and Black Cat have their own rooftop breakup as Cat says vague stuff about power and responsibility before leaving Spider-Man all alone. I sympathize with Terry like she did the right thing to get him to go and like, you know, not be lame and realize he needs to take her down, her being his mom. And he now has renewed motivation to track her and is now going to leave her. And like, it's for the greater good, but it hurts. She knows what's up because of her line right here. Will you be all right? Oh, yeah. I feel giddy with delight. Yeah, because Whistler's like, so you single now? You single now? You single now? <laughs> like, the second blade's still in the so shot. So how about them like, digits, girl? He's been thirsty this whole episode. Buddy, come on. Uh, and then they cut over to uh, Black Cat and Spider-Man having a real awkward breakup. I mean, not that most breakups aren't awkward, but it's... it it. It's bad. <laughs> when everybody's not on the same page, you're like, uh-oh. And yeah, and that's exactly what Spider-Man is. He bites so hard when Black Cat's like, I'm going after her. I'll go with you. No. Yeah, but the logic doesn't make a ton of sense here. Like, it seems like chasing Miriam is completely unrelated to everything. Like, if they were successful and they caught her tomorrow, then what does she do? Like, she's acting like this is a guarantee, never going to see you again, because that's what is inherently happening here. They are cutting this character out of the series. Um, but that's not really what the context of the situation makes it to be. It's totally up in the air. And it's not even her fight at all, which makes it even weirder. So, and that doesn't tip off Spider-Man either, because he's a fucking idiot in this episode. So, Whatever. I also see her motivation of like the city needs you. Except that they've done a lot of good by working together. I mean, they also fucked up a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. But then what's this? I love you. She throws in at the end. Like that's just. That's a pure Felicia move. And then you're left with this horrible yell from Spider-Man. And he's all sad as she like. Cat! For now, just remember, I love you. Cat! And then we find out where Black Cat is headed as she and Morbius confront Blade. They demand to help him on his quest to find his mother, and he, in his crusty kind of way, agrees. As Blade peels out, the night-shrouded lovers begin their pursuit. So Black Cat and Morbius land, and Blade takes out the light-roped crossbow again. Vampire! <laughs> and they have their exchange. And when Blade drives away, Michael looks to Felicia and is like, it's okay. We'll just bother him until he likes us. Like, it's such <laughs> yeah. a deadpan delivery. We shall follow him. He will grow accustomed to us. Perhaps, if we're lucky, someday he will be our friend. It worked with you. Uh, that's the only thing that Morbius knows how to do. 
I don't know. This whole thing is basically it's like a it's like the end of that Poochie episode. It's like, Note: Morbius, Blade, and Black Hat died on the way back to their home planet. Like this is just like they're out of this series now, guys. Like don't think about it too hard. And yeah, and it is you're right because Michael even says like, "Are you okay doing this for the rest of your life?" But this is also the first step into Morbius becoming an antihero, which is the role that he took more so in the comics. I suppose so. And it makes sense. But like, we're not going to get that in this show. So it's just writing him out. You know what I mean? Wait, are you saying this is the last time we see Morbius? Uh, it might be. I think they're, I think we see Black Cat one more time. Hallelujah. 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 Peter, Peter, are you okay? <laughs> Come back to us, buddy. Yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> you know, that, that made me think about this whole thing and the fact that it really isn't Morbius's fight here or Black Cat's at all. Like, this is not the quest. It, what I think they could have just had was that Miriam would have had the knowledge on how to cure people of vampirism. She says she wants to become human again, and so Blade helps her, and then turns out she does know how to fix herself, but she doesn't want to, and she's gone full vampire. So then when Blade uh, wants to catch her to save her, Morbius and Felicia want to catch her so they can cure Michael. That gives him a real connection to this situation, right? And it would have made perfect sense in context of the story. You can even have her use that to make her escape in the showdown at the end. Like they won't take lethal measures like Spider-Man's going to do something, but they won't let him because they need her for this. It would have been so easy to make her more relevant to Morbius's situation, which is what we care about, really. We don't really care about Blade that much. Morbius has had like 10 fucking episodes in this series. It should have been the Morbius arc. This should have been a crowning thing for him, but it really isn't. They f they decide that, you know, he's a vampire, so he's going to kind of use his vampireness to protect the world from Miriam. I don't know. It could have they could have made it more personal. They could have made it um, more relevant. And but they didn't. They just didn't bother because it's really not about that. It's just about pushing them out of the way. So the next thing can happen. And speaking of that next thing, the bow on this episode has Spider-Man and Terry Lee take a moment for their Lonely Hearts Club before heading back out onto the mean streets. Spider-Man reflects that things look dark, but at least it can't get any worse. So Spider-Man here goes and puts his arm on Terry Lee. And I'm like, isn't it too soon Spider-Man here to like rebound on Terry Lee? Uh, you know, I see the attraction. But uh, I thought it was weird that, A, they made two very quick 60s musical references, very specifically, in a row when they said dazed and totally confused. Yeah, we're a regular Lonely Hearts Club. For all those who don't know, that's a Led Zeppelin reference and a Beatles reference. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, back to back. That was, Such I don't know, seems kind of deliberate. The Heart Club Band. Hope that you enjoyed the show. Well, those were references, but I don't think this other thing was an intentional reference, or at least prediction. One Adam zero, zero. There's a 9-11 in progress. I would have expected Spider-Man to say, I'll see you there, or like, race you. Yeah. Because, like, Spider-Man just like, oh, cool, is there a crime happening? I'm not going to go help. Yeah, let's go do crimes together. <laughs> oh, I lost Black Cat, but I gained, like, I still have Terry. Or I, I still have a job to do. Yeah, and I still have a partner. Yeah, I mean, instead he just kind of sulks as he swings away. 
it didn't even really make a ton of sense as he's talking to himself here because he says like, oh, Black Cat's gone. Uh, Mary Jane's missing. And this is Felicia's gone. When you spoke to her last, she said she'd be gone for a few weeks. The, the, the coast, what was it? She went to the West Coast to set up a, a science lab or something. And it, I guess we're just going to pretend that goes on for forever. Just like, oh, I guess she's never coming home. Or, wow, the science center is really successful out West. But you know what? It's always darkest before the dawn, right? Well, at least there's nowhere to go from here but up. Well, Peter Parker, you're right. Things can't get any worse now that I can officially close the book on the Morbius saga. Woo! And that means it's time for some arbitrary spider ratings where we rank the episode using whatever idiotic metric we can come up with off the top of our heads. Vera? I give this episode six 90s hairdos out of nine. You know, I really liked parts of it. Like, I think the vampire canon holds true throughout a lot of this episode and i like the nods but i wanted this to be a two-parter like i mentioned with the ending shot of the clock tower fight but then i realized it would have been the exact same idea as when morbius had the recombinator because he just wanted to make other vampires so it kind of would have been too similar and it was a shitty end of black cat and now i'm sad that she's not here anymore and we won't have any more grab assing yeah i'm sad for that too and uh kevin what's your take uh, I'm torn. Uh, I'm going to end up giving this episode uh, four out of five loads of plasma, but one out of three not as fulfilling vials of serum. Uh, that probably works out into the 70% range. Uh, the first half of this was a lot of fun. It had great animation and it was very interesting. Uh, and then it fell apart because they ran low on time and we got a shitty conclusion with an equally shitty ending. Uh, they just sort of felt like a cheap and easy way to get everyone out of the series that they had spent way too much time trying to force back into the series. And ultimately it makes you say, what's the point? Um, what did Spider-Man get from this experience? Just more of the same and lessons he had already learned. So I really saw a glimmer of something here and it was never really realized. Hashtag make Terry Lee badass again. All right. As for me, I was originally going to go and give this a four out of seven, but I changed my rating to nine out of ten exposed masks and drawers when I heard that Morbius <laughs> won't be in this fucking series again. <laughs> yeah, I wish there was a clip of Peter like, wait, this is the last one. And then scrolling down his Word document and you could like real time watch him Google like edit his like just, dick, yeah, dick, delete, dick, delete, dick, delete, 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 nine. nine out of ten. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I said everything I had to say. That's it. <laughs> Fucking dick, I well, love <laughs> Jesus Christ. It really seems like uh, they're all about bringing back these villains that we're pretty meh about. Uh, when are they going to be bringing out the big guns, though, you know? Well, Kevin, according to the Daily Bugle, they just wanted you to enjoy the stew. He's supposed to have some big scoop. The moment all America has been waiting for. Today's issue of Bugle. Brock's big scoop. Eddie Brock's biggest scoop. Big news, too. That's unbelievable. Exactly how did you happen to get this? Return of the Green Goblin. Harry has walked into Peter's empty room one too many times and has deduced that he's Spider-Man. The Green Goblin senses Harry's instability and begins to toy with him. Twice. <laughs> Same. Yeah, twice too many. Don't leave your shit out, Peter. God damn it. Clean your room. 
I know. Jess tells me every day. Put your masks in your top drawer, Peter. Come on. They need your masks need to be cleaned regularly, yep. or they won't be able to do their job. Yeah, come on. They Vera. won't be stretchy. They'll be crusty. What? Oh God! Don't talk. All right, that's it for us. Thank you so much for being with us, loyal listeners. If you like the episode, share it with your friends, your family, and your psychically linked vampire queens in person or online using the hashtag #RASpiderPod and get a chance to win some free swag. If you love the show, you can also join our Patreon, buy some merch on TeePublic, or rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice to help grow the show. Links to everything are on our website, RadioAfterSpiderPod.com. We'll be returning from an undisclosed Eastern European village in two weeks with our next episode. Until then, this is RadioAfterSpiderPod saying, I feel giddy with delight. Keep swinging. So hard to let you go. Peace and reunion to you. This is not over. I will love you always. Leave me. No. That was solid. Good job, team. Listen, as long as some people smile, right?